0: Do you truly believe that God loves you unconditionally as you are and not as you should be? Do you?
1: Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Let's just, you know, every time I see that bumper, let's just like rest in that for a second. The words that were said there, that that, that God loves you as you are, not as you should be, but as you are right now. How hard is that to live in? How hard is that to embrace, to know that, you know, I'm not how I should be? but God loves me as I am. That is so, I, I thought about that last week as we started this series, even now, every time I see this video, to embrace that, that God loves you as you are. Anyways, I think it's so profound. I, th- I don't think we truly understand and live in that space of God loving us as we are. And that's, that's life-changing right there. So anyways, my name is Sean Lee, I'm the lead pastor here. If you're joining us online, Thank you for joining us, and if you're visiting today, we're so happy to have you. Uh, we're continuing in Dangerous Grace. Grace, what a word. What a word. It's the very thing that we desire when we screw up. The very thing we want after we've, we've messed up, and yet it's the thing that is so hard for us to give to somebody else. Grace is easier in theory than in application, we can talk about it. We talk about it a lot in the church. Man, grace, it's so good. Amazing grace. Yes. Now give it. Mm. And when people, you know, sin differently than us, that's when it really starts to aggravate us, right? When, when people have different things that they struggle with, if they struggle with the same thing as us, it's easier, right? Oh, yeah, there's grace for that because we need it. As soon as they're doing the same, oh, you know, it's okay, man. We all, we all deal with that. It's cool. There's a God loves you, man, or woman, whoever. But as soon as they start doing something that isn't what we do, or we, you know, oh, well, I never would do that. Now, all of a sudden, yeah, it gets a little more difficult. We're way more lenient to people who sin like us. That's not how God looks at it. And as we spoke last week, if you if you joined us last week, we talked about us and them. What do we do? We create us and them. We create you're in, you're out, you're doing it right, you're doing it wrong. Let me tell you how to do it right. I'm doing it right, by the way. Do it like me. And when we see things differently than other people, it creates that divide. If you look at something differently up. I don't know about that. That's... I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know how I feel about you now. You think differently than me. And in our culture today, that's everywhere. It's so divided. Everything's divided. Politically speaking, socioeconomically, all these things divide us. And it's about what you have and what you don't have, or what I believe and what you believe and you're wrong and I'm right. And that's tough. That makes grace really hard when somebody sees things differently than you. What happens if they don't feel like they need grace? Ooh, well, if he doesn't feel like they need grace, then not gonna give it. And so this week, Pastor C.R., Jason and I, we we got together, we continue talking about this dangerous grace, this idea that this is hard stuff. And a lot of times people don't see it the same way as you may. So let's listen to this conversation we had in the car i think the most difficult thing with dangerous grace is interacting with people who may not see that or exp- or uh think that same way
2: yes and sometimes christians can be the worst with that <laughs> right. because they're, they're just like, i know right or the right
1: i know the right thing or th- I know this the is truth. the right thing
2: why aren't you calling it out you know that kind of stuff and I think there, there's a place for a healthy uh, uh, mm-hmm. approach to that. Right. But it has to be done in such humility. And the problem is we focus on particular sins. Yeah. There's there's some sins that we know we could say the words right now of, of certain categorizations of these sins. And people are going to go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But the bottom line is it doesn't matter what we're talking about. Anything. And yeah. it runs... You know, well, across the board. When
0: you talk about a sin as a category, it's really easy to condemn it and talk about how bad it is. Yes. But the moment you put a face with it and you're in a relationship with someone who all of a sudden falls into that mm-hmm. category, right? now all of a sudden it changes the way you approach it, the way you talk about it, the way you deal with it. Right. Yes. Because now it's a it's a relationship at stake. Yes. Right. It's not a... a you know, non- it's not a
1: hypothetical, yes. or just an avatar on a yes. on a social media page. Yes. Right? Yeah.
2: It gets real. That's the core of this: is relationship, right? Yes. I mean, how does Jesus interact with anyone that he's having these conversations with? It's relational. Hey, I'm going to come to your house and I'm going to eat today. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, he has a conversation, right? right. Yeah. And I think this is so uh, center to what we're talking about. Mm-hmm when if we believe in this dangerous grace that we've been shown and we want to engage other people with that well yeah. the only way to do it is relationally right that's it yeah. it's not a billboard or right. a handout or a flyer right. or whatever it's right. hey i'm here yeah. with you
0: and yeah. for you right. you know yeah that means we have to we have to have relationships with people who maybe don't think like us right. and maybe act differently than us or outside of what we think is good right yeah and and that is dangerous now mm-hmm. uh, you know i'm associating with people who right. aren't christian in their thinking
2: right yeah. i We're wonder if we
0: if we could do a survey of people around us like as individuals not us as a concept but mm-hmm. i mean around each of us if we could ask mm. is is it beneficial to have me around in your life mm. yeah <laughs> and I don't mean because I give you money or because you know like right. that right. I mean, but like is my presence in your life it's a bible word but a blessing mm-hmm. right is your yeah. life enriched yeah because of the relationship we have and if that's if there are people in my life who would say eh, no Like, you're kind of a pain to be around or like, you know, all you ever do is talk about how bad things are or you're just negative or whatever, you know, then maybe it's us that need to reflect Mm. (laughs) and and repent and change the way we relate to people. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, good stuff. All right, so we're going to
1: be looking at a story today that most of you are probably familiar with, and I want to give a little bit of background, set the stage a little bit. It's going to be the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed into a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see, right? We all know about Zacchaeus. Here's the thing. All right, so last week we talked about the tax collector and the Pharisee. There's a parable that Jesus talked about, and we talked about how tax collectors are just... Despised. I, I don't think we realize just how despised Zacchaeus would have been as a tax collector. Like, I, I don't think we have anything in today's time that truly embodies what Zacchaeus would have meant to the people around him. So you, you have this guy who's a tax collector, right? So you could say, all right, maybe someone who works for the IRS. The problem is the IRS works for our country, The IRS works for our government and our structure. It's like, okay, it's fine. Zacchaeus collected money for the Roman government who basically controlled the Jewish people. So he was collecting money for someone who was oppressing his own people. And then on top of that, they would do this thing called tax farming. And this is where the people who were taking the taxes, they would just take extra. They would take the tax that they're supposed to take, and then they would just take whatever they want on top, as much as they wanted. So he's he's literally, like, he's working for another power that's going against his people, and then he's going to take more on top of that just because he can. Uh, like, who does that? It's like a legal traitor. He's a traitor to his people, but he's doing it legally because he's allowed to. And so there's no repercussion. I imagine... Zacchaeus was not liked at all. I mean think about that. Like, put yourself in that position, how would you think of somebody like that? It's awful. So that's that kind of sets the tone for Zacchaeus, okay? That's that's the person that is interacting with Jesus in the story. So let's read in Luke chapter 19. This is the story of Zacchaeus. It says Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. It doesn't say why he was passing through passing through a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy so we know a couple things about him chief tax collector so then you know even the the other tax collectors probably answered to him so he's not just a regular he's like the chief tax collector even worse and he was wealthy he wanted to see Jesus who Jesus was but because he was short he could not see over the crowd so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to, to be the guest of a sinner. How could he? Do you see what Jesus is doing? What is he doing? Why is he, oh my gosh, how could he do that? But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost So we're going to dive into this today. And I want to look today at the main figures in this. So we're going to look at Zacchaeus. We're going to look at the crowd. We're going to look at Jesus. We're going to talk through some of the really important things today. So we've all heard the statement, talk is cheap. I'm sure you've heard that. Talk is cheap. You know, you got those people who talk a big game. Why is talk cheap? Why is it cheap? Because you don't have to follow through. Anybody can do it. I can tell you how awesome I am at something here and now. I can be like, "Oh my gosh, guys, have you seen my golf game?" Now a couple in this room have actually played golf with me so they can uh, attest to like, man, the other day. But hey, you know, I could tell you. I've shot a hole in one before. I've had eagles. I've had, you know, 25-foot putts. And that's actually all true. Does that make me a good golfer? Doesn't make me a good golfer, but I can talk a big game, and I don't have to go and play with you. And as far as you know, man, I'm a scratch golfer. I'm great. I used to, uh, I used to help with youth at my old church, uh, the church I grew up at. And these kids, man, they—you would think they're in the NBA already. They would, oh man, they—they're school, they're, They'll—they'll ball. Let's go. And they'll talk and talk and talk about talk how good their basketball game is, and you take them out on the court and then you give it to them. Oh, today I wasn't feeling it, right? Or you got those people, they make excuses. But talk is cheap. You You can talk all you want and until you can actually follow through with it, it doesn't mean jack. We can talk about grace all we want in church. We can talk about God's love and God's grace and God's mercy and all these other things, But what are we doing about it? How are we showing it? Is it uncomfortable? We're good at talking about things in the church. We're good about saying what Jesus did. We're good about giving Bible verses. We're good about telling other people what they're doing wrong. But we haven't been very good at the follow through on actually giving these things that we talk about, on actually living out the things that we talk about. And so when we talk about grace, what keeps us from that? Last week I talked about dangerous grace and kind of described things, but to this, this week in particular, grace can be dangerous because it can mess up your reputation. And we'll see that in some of the ways that Jesus interacted with Zacchaeus, but giving grace can, can really screw up your reputation. People can start to have thoughts about you. People can start to look at you a different way. What is he doing? What is she doing? Why are they doing that? And so, as we look through these characters, I want to ask you who do you see yourself as in the story? Do you see yourself as Zacchaeus? The one who's not loved, who has no friends, maybe has a lot of stuff. He was wealthy, he had everything he wanted, but he's poor. And relationships, and poor, and other people. Maybe you see yourself in the Jesus role. You're the saver. I gotta save people. I'm the one who does it. I gotta tell people the right way. I gotta do the right, I'm, I'm the Jesus character in all these stories. And most of us, were like, I'm not the crowd. Why would, I would never be the crowd. But unfortunately, what happens? A lot of times, we end up the crowd. We're the one in that, that big group telling everybody else Why are they doing that? So let's start there. Let's start with the crowd today. The crowd would have been made up of mostly Jewish people. They're in Jericho, mostly Jewish people. And what I find interesting in this story is a lot of times in the Bible, you see Jesus going against the Pharisees, or it's the Pharisees who are talking about Jesus. Here, it's everybody. It's not just the Pharisees. It's the whole crowd. Everybody's like, what is Jesus doing? Why is he talking to Zacchaeus? Of Everybody, Why? And it's it's interesting too, they're not judging Zacchaeus. They say nothing about Zacchaeus. They know, I mean, he's a scumbag, whatever. We know that. Why is Jesus? They're judging Jesus. Why is he doing that? And when I got to thinking about it, the crowd is the easy response. If they, it takes no faith to be a part of the crowd. It's easy. And we can all fall into it. We're safe when we're you know we're safe when we're in the crowd cuz what happens is we put ourselves in the echo chambers anybody likes uh, someone who thinks the same way as them we all do let's just we can all put up our hands that's kind of a rhetorical question we like people who think the same way as us so we get around people who tell us that the way i think is right and they say well of course yes that's and we put ourselves in echo chambers and we all agree with each other and as long as you don't go against that you're fine don't go against the grain But I think if I'm honest with myself, if I put myself in that time, if I was in the crowd and I saw that, I might have said the exact same thing as the crowd did. I may have looked at my buddy and said, why is Jesus talking to him? Does he know who that is? Does he know that's the chief tax collector? He must not know. There's no, there's no way. Why would he be doing that? And that's the sad thing. I can see myself doing that. How easy it is to fall into the crowd. We can easily become the crowd. We're, we're comfortable with status quo. We like uh, large numbers of groups of people that agree with us. We have the sense of because other people are in our group, we have it right, and we are superior, and we are good. And this is, I'll be honest, this is like a really big tension point in my faith as I work forward. Because Jesus continually, he he continually goes against those type of people. He continually goes against the status quo. He goes to the religious and says, yeah, that thing that you think you know about, you don't really know about it. You know how it says not to kill? Well, I said don't hate your brother. Oh, jeesh. Well, I've never killed anybody before, but man, I've surely hated somebody before. Wait, Jesus, why are you healing on the Sabbath? You're not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath. Why are you, wait, why are you defending this person? Why are you speaking to a Samaritan woman? Why are you doing this? And that's uncomfortable for me because I want to do the right thing. I want to be good. I want to live up to all of God's standards. And yet the the standards that he seems to have put, now there's, there's these weird gray spaces with them. And what's the right thing to do? And how am I supposed to do this? And God's saying, trust me. Follow me. What is your heart? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you murmuring there? Are you self righteous? Do you have pride issues? Do you have to be right all the time? So, one, we can easily become part of the crowd. Two, the crowd can hinder you from seeing Jesus. The crowd was a literal like blocking point for Zacchaeus. He couldn't see beyond them. So, what did he have to do? He had to run to a tree and climb up a tree. But it was a physical barrier. And I think for myself, how many times, or is there times when I have actually been a barrier to somebody seeing the heart of Jesus? How have I been the crowd? How have I been the person that has been in the way or blocked somebody from seeing the heart of Jesus? When in my self-righteousness, I thought I was doing it right. And here's the great thing, there's grace for that too. But let's be honest with it. I don't want to be a barrier. I don't want to be a hindrance to somebody seeing the heart of God. And here we see the heart of Jesus is to seek out someone who a lot of people don't like. Do I do that? Am I I helping with that or am I hurting with that? So let's move on to Zacchaeus. What do we see with Zacchaeus? I think one of the frustrating things about this story is the lack Of details. Okay, so Jesus is walking. He sees a guy. He says, "I want to hang out with you." Zacchaeus is like, "Cool, let's go hang out." People murmur, and then all of a sudden, like Zacchaeus has a change of heart. Did it happen that quick? Maybe. Was it like as soon as Jesus like touched his shoulder? He's like, "Oh my gosh, I'm gonna give away half of my stuff and I'm gonna help the poor." did he stay a tax collector? Did he just do it in a better way after that? We don't know. Where were the disciples? What were the disciples doing? Were they like, I'm not going with this guy. Like, what's going on? We, we, it's just like, look, it looks too simple. This is not real life. Life doesn't actually work this way. And yet, for some reason, this is the inspired word that was given to Luke to share with us About the encounter with Zacchaeus. And so this is what we have to work with. So what are we supposed to see? What are we supposed to get from this? Well, we see that Zacchaeus sought out Jesus. We can see that. Alright, so there's this guy who's really rich and he's short and he's a chief tax collector, we know that. And he went to seek out Jesus and he saw the crowds and so he's like, all right, well, I wanna see him. I don't know why he wanted to see him. Maybe he'd heard stories, maybe he was curious. Maybe the Holy Spirit was somehow working in his heart to be like, hey, you need this and you have this hole and you're not a good person or whatever it is. I don't know, but he sought out Jesus. And I have a feeling that Zacchaeus had no idea what he was in for. He was like, all right, I'm just going to get on this tree. I'm going to watch. I'm going to see him go by. I'm going to be like, okay. I, he didn't know what he was in for. It's kind of like the disciples. You know, when Jesus said, hey, come follow me, and the disciples follow him, they had no idea what was about to happen to their lives. They had no idea what that interaction with Jesus was going to mean for them. Same thing with Zacchaeus here. I'm just going to go look at Jesus. And he does. And then Jesus is like, hey. I'm going to hang out with you. So the first thing we see about Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus made an effort to see Jesus. Wherever you are today, you are not out of God's sight. You may, have, you may have a crowd around you. You may have a crowd in front of you. You can still be seen. We see in Jeremiah, God says, "says you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I don't know what posture Zacchaeus Came to Jesus in. It's, it doesn't say. I don't know if it's just out of curiosity. I don't know if it was out of a longing or a sense of need in his life. I don't know. But he made an effort, and Jesus saw him. And I have a feeling like a lot of us in this room can sometimes feel like Zacchaeus. We're on the outside where we aren't being loved. We are the outcast. We are the neglected. We feel far away. And God still looks up and he sees you. I mean, he ran to a tree and climbed it. Are we seeking God? Are we are we trying to find him? Are we like actively, do we see the crowd and get bummed and walk away? Or do we actually like run and say, you know what, no matter what, I'm gonna see Jesus? What is your crowd? What is your blockage? What is in the way of you actually having an encounter with Jesus? What is that? What excuses are we using? I'm short. I'm not good-looking enough. I'm not good enough. I haven't... I... nobody likes me. Seek Jesus. Go after Him. Run towards Him. And what do we see Jesus do? Jesus just invites Himself over. You may have, have friends that do that. They just invite themselves over. <laughs> Usually it's like, no, 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 no. Please don't. <laughs> I want to have my day to myself. But he's like, hey, I want to hang out with you. Let's go. And Zacchaeus is like right away. He's like, all right, cool, let's go. And the weird thing is, like I said before, we see one verse. I think it's verse seven, right? Where the people murmur. Verse seven. Yeah, verse seven, the people murmur. And then all of a sudden, Zacchaeus is a changed man. What's the timeline here? Is it like they start murmuring and Jesus like is like following to his house? Or is it like, I, I don't know. I don't know the order. Somehow Zacchaeus has changed. Was he changed before that? Did he already have a feeling that he was like not living right? And this was just a confirmation and or did Jesus, like, talk to him, like, hey, man, like, what you're doing is pretty shady. You should probably stop doing that. But Luke doesn't say that he said that. What happened here? What's with the change? And here's what I love, like, Jesus, towards the end there, he's talking about, he said, "Today salvation has come to this house. So obviously something has happened. It, you know, it, Zacchaeus talks about all the things he's going to do. Something has changed. Something has happened. Salvation has come to this house because this man too, is a son of Abraham, and that son of Abraham, I, I think, is really important in this story. Because I said Zacchaeus would have been a Jew, but he would have been, he would have been thought of as less than a Jew. He's like, you've gone against your own people. There's no way. No, you're not a Jew. And I, I think there's two things that Jesus is saying this this represents here. One, it's like, okay, you you are you are part of the family, but the other is is a recognition of his faith. There's a faith there that happened. Jesus is validating his faith. And so here's what we see. Zacchaeus' salvation was not in the action. The action indicated his heart had been changed. I don't know how, I don't know in what order. That's what we, we want. We want to have like a process, don't we? Like, I want to know the right way to do this. How do I go to a person who's not saved, that doesn't know Jesus? How do I get them to turn from this horrid thing that they're doing and become a good person? What's the, 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 the three steps to, to becoming a person who can help people like this? That's what we want we don't know. But what we do know is that he was changed and we can see that he was changed because of his actions. There was, a, there, was a, there was an actual change. What he used to identify with, maybe he doesn't identify with us anymore. He's now had a true, his identity is truly found. Now We talk about identity all the time here at Press Church. Find your identity in Christ. He, he found his true identity. And, and Jesus even said, you are a son of Abraham. I see your faith. I see these things. You are a changed man. I wish I knew more. I wish I could have sat and and watched that, but we don't know. We don't know how this happened. We just know that Jesus sought him out. There was a crowd, he was short, he was wealthy, he was a tax collector. And for some reason he felt the need to change what he was doing. And so we moved to Jesus. The first thing I have with this is the crowd gives condemnation. Jesus gives an invitation. Jesus didn't lead with, hey, do you know you're doing that wrong? Do you know you're a bad person? No, he like seemingly was excited to see Zacchaeus. Like he's like, hey, Get, let's go! I want to hang out with you right now. He gives an invitation. Well, it's funny. He kind of invites himself. He invites himself in. And can if let's put ourselves in in Zacchaeus' space for a moment. I like again. I like doing this. I like putting myself in different parts of the story. It, kind of, it It helps helps think through it a little bit. Like if I was Zacchaeus, I'd be like me. I'd be like looking in the tree, like. Is there someone else up here? You you can't be talking about me. He looks straight at him. You, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to hang out with you today. I want to spend time with you. That is, that's the heart of our God. That's the heart of Jesus. He knows everything. He knows your mess-ups. He knows your screw-ups. He knows what you did wrong. He knows the thoughts that you had. He knows all of that. He looks at you and he points. You, 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 you. I want to hang out with you today. Man, it's humbling. That Jesus would want to spend time with me. Are you sure? Are you sure you know what I did? Because a couple years ago I did something that was really oh my gosh, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to forgive me. I hey I want to hang out with you. No, are you sure? I've got a I've got a track record. I don't know. I don't know if you wanna interact with me or not. You. I want to hang out with you. That's the heart of Jesus. He wasn't worried about his reputation. He wasn't worried about the murmurs of the crowd. He just wanted to hang out with Zacchaeus. And I don't know if it was something that he said. I don't know if it was his presence. I don't know if something happened when they were at his house. I don't know how long of an interaction this was, but for some reason, Zacchaeus was changed. So we see the heart of Jesus. This is the heart of Jesus. Jesus comes to seek and save the lost. That's what he says at the end of that. Come to seek and save the lost. So what can we learn from this? I think, I kind of made a joke about it earlier, that sometimes we see ourselves as Jesus. I'm the Jesus character in this. I have to, you know, I'm gonna walk through the crowd and I'm gonna point, Zacchaeus, come down. And I think the thing that we should strive for is the heart of Jesus. What was the heart of Jesus in this story? And some of this, again, we don't fully know. Did Jesus know about Zacchaeus? Did he he actually, like, was he in Jericho a lot? Like, did he know this guy? Did he know how bad he was? I don't know. But I think we can see a couple things. Jesus cares about the lost. Jesus cares about those who are not following him. And he goes to them. And the other thing we can see is he didn't care about his reputation. How are we protecting ourselves? I thought about that question. How am I protecting myself? Honestly, I feel like if I'm being honest, I feel like I protect myself more from like other Christians than I do like non-Christians. Because I'm afraid that like, hey, if if I treat a non-Christian this way, or if if they see me doing something, like the non-Christian is going to think I'm a bad Christian now. I think maybe a lot of us feel that way. For Christians, like, we're like, wow, I'm afraid to, like, look the wrong way and then be ostracized. Like, I'm afraid of the crowd. What is God asking of us? Who is the Zacchaeus that you need to say, hey, let's go hang out? We talk about our press five. Who are you praying for? Who are the five people that you, that you believe would be far from Jesus that you're praying for right now? Are you reaching out to them? That's the second step, you pray for them, you reach out to them, go eat with them. But who are we doing that and why aren't we doing that? Is it because of our reputation? Are you afraid to be that weird Christian? Are you afraid to be that weird religious person? Like what, what is in the way of you being obedient to, to God or to the people that God has put on your heart? And are we ready to live in a way that actually reflects the way that Jesus interacted with sinners, with the lost? Because we're all lost in some way or another. We're all sinners in some way or another. We all mess up in some way or another. I feel like as pastors, we've tried to really nail that in. Like we're screwed up sometimes. I'm not any more special. I need God's grace just as much as anybody else. And that should be the leading point I said that last week, we wanna make a difference as this community by, by giving people grace because we've been shown grace. Once we understand that grace, once we really understand, man, I, I really need God, then when you're in, interacting with people, it's like, they're no better than me. I can't celebrate a gift that I didn't do anything to earn. I can't take any credit for myself but I've been changed and I have hope because God loves me. Are we able to extend that grace? Are we able to extend that love? And I think if we're actually gonna make a difference in this community, like we say, like we talk about, then we can't talk a big game anymore. We can't be all talk anymore. We have to take some steps. We have to get a little dirty. And we have to recognize that there are hurting people that need the love and the hope and the grace of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for leading us, God. And I pray that, that as we begin to, to get out of talking about something and, and actually doing something, God, I pray that you would give us the strength and the boldness, that we would not be so worried about the crowd, about what other people are saying, God, and not even to do it just to feel good, like, oh, I'm doing the right thing, God, but truly being led by you to those in our lives that are lost, who are broken, knowing that we don't have all the answers, that we aren't exactly perfect yet either, God. We trust in you, we have a hope, and our faith is in you, God.